There's something happens inside us when we begin to confess and declare the goodness of God. You know, when you talk negatives, you get despondent and depressed. When you declare that God is good, you declare His promises, you speak His promises, you express gratitude. When we do these things, our spirit man arises. And then we begin to engage the very one who can help us come through that situation. And, you know, it's a great uh, thing when we can learn how to put a zip around our tongue. And you know? one of the things, that people, I'm going to talk about fasting a little bit later. One of the best fasts you could do would be to just fast off all negative words. Whoa. Begin to purpose that for a season. You'll just begin to speak good and positive things. you find something good to say. It's not hard to find something bad to say, but we'll find something good to say. That'd be a great fast for you to do, wouldn't it? How many reckon that'd be a really hard fast to do, that one? <laughs> Did you hear that question? How many thought that'd be a hard fast to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would be a hard. It's harder than you think because we're more negative than you think. But when we just make that decision, God, I want you to put a guard around my lips today, Lord. I want to speak words that bless words, that build words, that impart hope and faith and encouragement into people. The Bible says we should do that kind of thing so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When we speak words that are negative, filled with doubt, when we're critical, when we speak uh, down about a, a situation and people, the Bible tells us we grieve the Holy Spirit. We wound and we cause him to withdraw in pain over our conduct. So if we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can also call him forth in our life by speaking words that he loves to endorse and to come upon. And he loves us to express words of Bill. Well, we're going to hear a few minutes from uh, a team we sent up into Indonesia. We've had a few teams go out, so we're going to uh, uh, catch just some reports now. No, we'll get one today and then some next week. Uh, but we've had uh, two or three teams go out. So Anna is taking some young people up to the, uh, Indonesia. And she, this is her first time leading the team. She's been on heaps of other teams up there. And uh, this is her first time leading a team. She's done an awesome job. So come on, Anna, come on up and tell us about it. Let's give her a great welcome. She's done a great job. Fantastic. Well, we had a great time away. It was so busy. Had one day off, and I just about, I, my body gave up on that day, and they took us to the mall. But man, they had meeting after meeting. Once they had heard us the first time, they said, All right, you have all the meetings for the rest of the week. We have special meetings. Come to this cell group, come to that cell group, come to this school. So in a day, you do about four meetings. The next day, get up and do some more. And then the next day, do some more. Then we went to the next city and did the same thing again. So it was fantastic. And we could have just kept going and kept going and kept going, but we had to come home. Yeah, <laughs> but I just wanted to share some things that we start off the meetings. So we'll go, God is good. We've just been in a meeting. This is what I said. And two girls, they had sore shoulders. They got instantly healed. We had a woman who was tormented by fear, and she was instantly impacted by the power of Jesus himself, and he saw the change. Um, we've got some photos, but they're not very clear. And um, so we start off the meeting telling what had just happened in the other meeting, because that would build faith for the people. Um, so two girls had their shoulders healed, um, woman set free from a demon, and you could see the demon, it manifested very helpfully. So the whole church was like, oh my goodness, never thought that she would be like that. It was quite exciting in the meetings. Amanda, she's just telling someone down the back, giving verbals. And um, there was a woman and she had... Um, she was dizzy all the time and had headaches and migraines, intense migraines. She came up, um, just very seriously came up, got prayed for and was instantly healed. There wasn't much more that you could see, but she said, oh, I feel fine. And 
So it had been going on for years, but it, I don't know what it was that was causing it, um, but the dizziness and that migraine. And by the time she came up to the time she left, she was set free from something that had been tormenting her life. And that's a good thing. And there was another guy, and for three years, he had been in a motorbike accident, and he had um, something wrong with the back of his head. I don't know what it was, but there was pressure, and um, he was quite worried and what was growing, something in his head. But the team prayed for him, and he had relief from the pressure and the pain that was in his head. We don't know what it was, but um, he was set free and healed anyway, straight away on that when the team prayed for him. We had a man, I preached on the man with a withered hand, and there are many people over there with withered arms. Like, I was like, I've never seen them before. Is it just here, just for me? So I prayed for a man with a hand that he couldn't use, came up after a meeting, and afterwards he was shaking people's hands. It was very stiff, like a log, like just holding it there. And afterwards he was using it and shaking people's hands, and he was so happy with himself. You could just see the joy in his face that, um, yeah, he was touched by Jesus. And there was another man, it was so funny, it was so funny because we had Sunday morning service at a church. I didn't know what it was like. So I asked my interpreter who I was staying with, what is this church like? And he said, oh, it's very, you know, certain, like serious. And um, I thought, oh, this could be interesting. Um, but then I kind of got the giggles every time I thought about, because we had just had time as leaders laughing a lot um, at a leaders retreat with Pastor Mike. So I thought this could be a good place where God could break out. And every time I thought about the service, I just got the giggles, or we got the giggles about it every time. So by the time we got to the service, it was, oh, don't worry about it, because they're a very serious Sunday morning church crowd. Not like us, because we're alive based city people. Yeah, woo! But um, what happened was, there was this woman, and she started manifesting all the fear and the control intensely. So I caught her up, says, you don't need to live with that anymore. She got set free. Instantly, her face was down. Then she lifted up her head and just broke into laughing, and she couldn't stop. And I thought, oh, anyone else who needs this or wants this, wants this, not needs this, come up. And so everyone just came up, and we got to pray for them. And they all started laughing. And just as that finished, this really serious older man came up, kind of like my grandfather, came up and said, pray for me too. And I was oh gosh, you look, I've got a photo of him. Um, I don't know if I got it for this morning or for tonight. But man, he needed to laugh like anybody you'd ever think of needed to laugh. He needed to laugh. His face was turned upside down. He had his face down, you know. And um, so we just started to pray for him. I didn't feel a lot. Then all of a sudden, he just lifted up his head and started giggling and laughing and chuckling away, just just going <laughs> like this. It's on and on. We met him three days later, and he was like, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I haven't stopped laughing for three days. I was like, oh, you rock. It's awesome. So they keep going and going and going. So um, whatever, they, whatever, they, um, whatever there was a need in their life, Jesus encountered them and set them free or brought healing or brought life wherever we went. I was going to say wherever he went, which is true. Um, so that was in one place. And then we flew up to um, Banda Arche, is the top province of Indonesia. And that's where the tsunami was. And that's Muslim rule. We're in the next province down called Arche. And it's 50-50 Muslim rule. They're trying to push it through. And then 50% Christian or nominal Christian. They say they're Christian. Um, and they're having a move of God in a church up there. We went there two years ago. And they said, thank goodness, we never thought you'd come back. Pastor Dave, we wanted him to come back. But he sent me instead. It was fantastic for them. <laughs> <laughs> got a bonus. And um, 
They said, we thought you'd never come back. We've been praying and praying, and they've been having a move of God. They have nothing. Like Amanda's going to share tonight about she went to a kindergarten, and what they had was nothing. And in their homes, they have nothing. And in their church, they have no resource. They have nothing. But, man, they have the presence of God moving. They're having people saved, Muslims being saved. Some of our team went and prayed with a Muslim man and got him saved, like, like God is moving in their place, and I was so jealous of what they, what I saw, the hunger that they had for God. They didn't have anything much, but man, they had a hunger for God. They had a move of God in their place. I just wanted to stay there because God was moving there, and I wanted to see what else He was going to do. But that's good. God was going to move here, same. But they had such a hunger for the presence of God from the children on the Sunday morning, right through to the youth where we had, and then onto the Sunday services. We, see, we saw God move and encounter people, people crying, people just pressing up, just filling up the altar, just crying and crying this, as they um, repented and turned their hearts to Jesus and got rid of unforgiveness and things from their past and said, God, I don't want to be limited by all this stuff in my life. So they come, there's so many tears so many people laughing, people being healed. It's just amazing to see the transformation, like the transformation. I've got some photos, but the transformation as they encountered Jesus in that place. It was just it was such a privilege to be, to be there and see it happen. We had a youth service um, on the Saturday night, and up to then we had lots of crying, lots of few screamers, lots of stuff happening. But I said, God, I want the whole place into a riot. God, I don't want just crying. That's good. But I want screamers because that's my favorite. Not the screaming, but I like to see the demons shifted out of someone's life where they've been tormenting them. I was flipping heck, that's not your place. This is Jesus' place. So um, youth service came up, had a preach, and so, oh, Holy Ghost, and he said, whatever you want, ask for us. I said, right, I want everyone screaming. So um, on the altar call, came up. They all turned their heart. They're so soft to the Holy Ghost. They came up, said, God, I don't want to live with the limits of my life. I let go of all the unforgiveness, the bitterness. God, I'm going to walk in the call of God that you have for me. And then the power of God came. We didn't have to pray for them. The whole lot, they just go down screaming, which was good, because then we didn't have to do much. So it was packed out with people being set free from things that had tormented them for their life. It was a fantastic thing to see. And um, after that, then there was dancing and conga lines and people jumping off the platform and all sorts of things. It was so much fun. So many funny things happened. Um, I could talk forever and ever, but I won't. Um, I've got some photos to go through if I haven't already queued them through. Thanks. And then there's one girl in here particularly I want to tell you about. It was an amazing story. You can sit next to somebody and they just look so ordinary. But if you ask them about their story, it's like, whoa. Thanks, Josh. We, clear, we dug for, a, I don't know how many hours, cleared out a property. They're building homes for people that have been shifted out by the government. Got no home, so we helped them. They all came out and watched. There's some of the people that the homes are built for. They're very interested to see what we're doing. Gardening gloves for the girls. Yep, we cleared out, we dug ditches, cleared out weeds, and oh, it was quite gross up there. It's one of the houses that they've built. It's very simple. Um, but some of those people go to their church. That's Pastor Joshua and Paul. They looked after us all in Jakarta and Benjamin. And there's halfway through what we're doing, um, clearing up property, building a fence, digging drains. And um, the people just got encouraged because they get really depressed because they're so poor and nothing's happening. To have somebody like us come and dig dig holes in the ground with them, gave them um, courage and just start to believe that, yes, God is good. And yes, this is something happening here. And this is one team. I can't remember where that was, somewhere. 
And this is Berestagi, where we went volcanic country, um, fully Muslim, but it's fantastic. It's looking out. You see those everywhere, mosques, everywhere that you go, people calling out. Richard's snake, he went on a tramp up the volcano. I just thought I'd show that for the guys. Real snakes up there. And that's the kindergarten that Amanda went to and did devotions with them. And that's some of the team at the Bible school we stayed at. Um, that's one of the churches. See that big pulpit thing up there? You could hide behind that. <laughs> and that they're dancing. That's just before we left Sunday morning. It's Pastor Ezra and Pastor Daniel. They're very, very pleased that we came. If you could just stop on that one. No, go forward again to the table. Yep, there's a girl there with her hand on my shoulder behind. I sat there talking to her um, one night. Now, she'd been a Christian for a little while, um, but she came from a family. This is pretty normal. Her dad was Buddhist and her mum was Islamic intensely. So when she became a Christian, that was not a good thing at all. So they would beat her regularly. And if she wanted to go to church, they would beat her even more. So she had to stay at home and have church at home. But now she's ministering in the kids' ministry, and one by one, her family's starting to get saved. She's believing for them. She's got such a soft heart. She loves Jesus. She's not bitter about things that have happened. And her mum has just um, got saved in the last couple of years. Her mum had a dream and saw Jesus and then decided to give her life to Jesus. That's happening around the place. Jesus encountering the family as she believed and prayed for in extreme circumstances. So I don't know what Amy's trying to do there, but... (laughs) <laughs> stabbed somebody with a fork. <laughs> Thanks. And that's Amy ministering a word of knowledge to a woman. Went down under the power of God. Um, it's a church in Jakarta. That's Ashley giving a word, giving her testimony. She did a fantastic job. The team was great. So one of the churches we went to. And then eating, always eating with them one night. And that's some of our photos. So thank you. Thank you very much for the people that um, blessed us and helped us to go. And um, yeah. It's fantastic. I challenge you to go get on a team that's going and see what God will do through your life because there's no limits, absolutely no limits to what God will do with you in a place, any place, Hawke's Bay, overseas, anywhere. So thank you. Yeah, come on, give her a great clap. It's fantastic. What a great job they all did, eh? And uh, next week we'll hear about uh, Philippines and China and what they did up there. And uh, if you want to come back tonight... Anna and the team are going to be ministering, and uh, they'll be praying for people, also be sharing some more, have some more photos, and share some more testimonies about what happened. How many got excited by that? Huh? That's what our young people ought to be doing. That's, that's fantastic. I'm going to put a vision in front of their lives. And wait till they grow up and uh, get ruined. Uh, young people need to have something inside to run with, eh? Praise the Lord. Okay, why don't you open your Bible with me in Joshua chapter 3. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 3. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, God has been speaking into us as a church. We're very privileged to have uh, David McCracken, a well-known and well-established prophet, come and be with us. And uh, he spoke a number of things into the life of the church through the day and then in the evening. And uh, I encourage you to get the CDs if you didn't get them and just to zone in on the things that God is speaking to your heart. But God spoke specifically about the need for individuals to be willing to enlarge, to break out of where we've currently been limited or contained by disappointments or contained by uh, failure or, or lost dreams and to begin to reposition again for God to open up new things. And he shared a tremendous story concerning Joshua and Ai, how at, at the place called Ai, which means heap and ruin, the nation was defeated and then God made them go back. And uh, when they had sanctified themselves to go back, and then he turned what was a failure in their life 
to a stepping stone and resourcing for the future. And uh, through the midst of that, I believe God's speaking to many of us about facing and sorting through issues in our life. And what I want to do is I know there was a big altar call at the end and many, many people came up and obviously the word he'd spoken uh, had an impact on people. But we need to understand that just coming to the front is not enough to shift our life. It's the start place for the shift. It's the acknowledgement, God, I'm hearing you. God, I'm saying yes, openly and publicly, I'm responding to you, but it's got to be walked out. And I want to just uh, share with you today about fasting, fasting with focus. And I want to talk about what we can do to help unlock the things in our life to move us and shift us. And uh, usually there's a process involved in that. I want to talk about, let's have a look in Joshua chapter 3 and uh, read it in verse 4 and 5. Now there's a space now, God is talking to Joshua and the people about going into their position. And God has a position. He has promises for you. And you have to make, you and I have to make a personal choice that we will listen to what God says are the possibilities of our future and not be limited and restricted by what we've experienced or seen or the disappointments or failures or upsets we've had in the past. Let God define your future. Let God speak into your life about what is possible in our future. And notice what the Lord says here. He says, now, he says, you've not gone this way before. In other words, he's telling them, I'm about to launch you into something you've never experienced before. You've dreamt about it, heard about it. You've had a whole generation not come into it, but this is your hour. Right across the world at this time, there is an increasing manifestation of the supernatural power of God in almost every country you can go to. This is our time, but it won't happen unless we believe that our future can be different to our past, that our future can be as God says it is. That's why I love that song, that young man who is a well-known person in Australia, well-known leader, youth leader, tremendous influence, struck down with cancer, treated for cancer, all his hair left, and even in the middle of a wheelchair, he's able to still write, God, I believe you're my healer. Hey, that's faith. That's real faith. And God has worked. There's been a, a, a whole change in his body, and we're still waiting to see the results of that. But notice what God says here in, uh, to Joshua. Joshua speaks this before the people. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua is telling them about what God plans to do among his people. He uses the word wonders, which means something that's naturally impossible. Something that is beyond the limitations of what you've lived in. And he's saying, you know how we've walked all these years with limitations and constraints around us? Well, he says, God is about to do things which are beyond what you have seen or experienced. And he says he's going to do it. And he says it's in the future. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow's not just tomorrow physically. It's our future from now means that God is about to do some new things. And then he says, sanctify yourself or prepare yourself and position yourself today for the things God wants to do in your future. Right now, young people, you are positioning yourself for your future. Choices you make today will have lifelong implications. People who have been around a few years, look at where you are now is a result of choices you've made. 
But you know, every one of us still has a future that's good. And today we make choices to determine that. I want to encourage us to position ourselves by persevering and pushing into the presence of God. I want to talk a little bit about fasting, which is one of the most powerful tools I know to prepare yourself and position yourself for God to work in your life. Let's have a look in uh, the New Testament, read a couple of verses there. First of all, in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. So now's the time to be preparing for next year. All of you know that Christmas is coming. How many know Christmas is coming? <laughs> lots of parties, lots of eating. Is that right? It usually starts late November. So this is a good time to be fasting. Because okay? you're going to be feasting. It's going to be coming up for sure. So this will be a good season between now and late November to begin to position yourself for the changes you want to experience next year. If you're not thinking about next year, probably just living for the moment. Well, next year will be the same as last year. <laughs> See? But if we just make a decision that we will listen. The Bible says, believe the prophets and so you'll prosper. So if you believe that God is speaking to us about increase enlargement and it requires individual change, then why don't we as a body, as individuals, come on board and say, God, I am going to change. Don't worry about the church changing. I will change. I will make some changes. I've just set my heart uh, during this week to be in a season of fasting and to make decisions about changes I want to personally make. I want to make the changes now so I'm positioned next year to reap benefits. Look what the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6. It says, verse 16, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad face. So don't, look a, don't put a pack of sad when you're fasting, even though you feel it on the inside. It says, they disfigure their faces, they may appear to men to be fasting, and I tell you, well, they've got their reward. But you, when you fast, when you fast, when, when you fast, fasting's normal for a believer. Fasting's normal. Praying, fasting, giving, they're all normal for a believer. Normal things to do. Because they're part of the life, they're part of what uh, sustains the life of the Spirit. See, either we're going to try to be a Christian. <laughs> what a terrible thing to try to be a good Christian. That's one of the most most difficult task I could ever imagine is trying to be a good Christian. It's just a terrible task, see? We're not called to try and be a good Christian. We're called to be in intimate relationship with the Father and let the life of, the, of, of Christ come through us. In other words, you can't, you can't, you try and be a good Christian, you always live defeated. You see, but when we access the life, the presence, and the life of the Spirit of God, then naturally out of our life flows the things of God. It's an overflow. One, you're working at it, pumping water uphill. The other is an overflow. And prayer and fasting and giving are, are part of the basic disciplines of a Christian life that prepare and position us for the life of God to flow through. Listen, the Christian life is about his life through us, not about us trying to be good Christians. Okay? So give up trying to be a good Christian. Give it up. And instead, learn how to access the life he offers us, which is an exchange life. But to get his life, you've got to let go of your own. And this is what fasting does, helps us let go of our own life. That's why you don't like it initially. So it says, here, notice what it says here. It says, your father who's in the secret place, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. If you want to see the favor of God operating around your life, you have to be doing things in secret. Most times we see when God is moving on people, it seems like, God has got his favorites. He has no favorites. He's not partial. There are things some people do in secret that others don't see. 
No one sees when you pray in secret except the Father in heaven. No one sees when you do your giving except your Father in heaven. No one sees when you do your fasting. But the Bible says clearly God rewards you openly. If you want open manifestation of God's things next year, start to do things in secret now. Don't announce to the world. Just announce to one or two close to you what you're committing to do so you can become accountable to fulfill that and then begin to start to do things now in secret that prepare you for an increase in 2008. Amen? It's a good thing. Okay, I want you to have a look with me in another verse now. In uh, Luke, uh, it, it's in the book of Luke somewhere, Luke chapter 5. I was just looking at this the other day and felt the Holy Ghost speaking to me out of it. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is asked a question about fasting, and they're saying, how come your disciples aren't fasting? And so the whole issue of the discussion is about fasting. And uh, this is what it says. Let's read it in verse 33. And they, that's the, the Pharisee, said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? Likewise, those are the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. Saying, so how come you guys are having a party? <laughs> he said, oh, well, you know, can, the, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom's with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. So right then, they were having a party with Jesus. They're in a revival. But he said, when I'm taken away, that's when they'll fast. See? They'll do the fasting then. And then he goes on to talk about a parable. Now, you don't understand. He's, he's answering the same question. And then he talks in a parable form. Parable is just a story. And he uses two illustrations in the story. And uh, they're connected with this whole issue of fasting. He said, now, no one puts a, a piece from a new garment in an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and the piece which is taken out of the new doesn't match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskin and be spilt, and the wineskin will be ruined. New wine must be put in new wineskins, and then both are preserved. And no one, having drunk the old wine, says immediately desires the new, for he says, the old is better. Now, notice he's talking about, two, he's about new and old. New, the new things God's wanting to do. And he said some things. He said, you can't, you can't take a, an old garment and put a bit of something new in it because in the end it'll tear and you lose both. So he's saying, uh, he, then he uses another illustration. He's saying, if you've got new wine, new wine's got fizz and bubble in it. New wine, it really, it, it's fermenting away there and it's got some bubbles in it. And he says, now, if you've got an old skin which is tight and it's dried out, it's been in the sun and it's rigid and inflexible, then whatever you do, don't pop new wine in it because you lose the wine and the skin. And so he's talking about our lives because the new wine is symbolic and picture very clearly in the Bible of the joy of the Holy Spirit, of a fresh wave of the Spirit of God coming through our lives. That's why I love it when we get full of the Holy Ghost, joy and laughter and gratitude and, and a smiley face. That's a normal part of me filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost, joy. Filled with the Holy Spirit, gladness, thankfulness, faith, praise. These are all the expressions someone filled with the Holy Ghost. But when God wants to fill us with something, he's got to also do something about the container. The container is your life, the, the lifestyle you've got. The container is your attitudes. The container are the, the ways you view life. And, and some of us, as we get a bit older, we've been around a while, get a bit rigid and get a bit fixed. Isn't that true? And so he says, now listen, if you're going to get the new wine, you've got to make some shifts in the container. So you either replace the container or there's something else you can do. You can take the old wine skin 
and you can begin to get oil and rub the oil in. As you rub the oil in, it begins to become soft again, and it gets its flexibility back, and then you can put new wine in it. And so I always think when I'm looking at that passage, am I willing to pay the price to become soft and flexible so God can fill me with more, or, or am I willing to pay the price of watching God find someone else to raise up? Think about that. You have a unique call and a unique purpose for your life. But if you've become rigid and flexible because of disappointment and hurt or sorrows, or you become rigid because of just, you know, you've been around a long time and you've never had any fresh challenges, never stepped out of the safety zone. It's been a long time since you took a risk, a long time since you had to really trust God for anything. You got life all comfortable and cruisy and moving along, and you started to settle and become rigid. If you're like that, you need to soften up and change. There's some changes need to take place so that God can put something new into you and you won't lose all he has. It's not just the external things. It's often to do with our attitudes and internal life. So I challenged our staff this week uh, to, uh, for a fresh season of prayer and fasting and to make a lifestyle change. Now, you don't have to make a lot of changes to change and make everything new. I noticed this about life. All you've got to do is change one thing, and everything seems to take on a new thing about it. You start to make one change, one significant change in lifestyle. Some of you might just be getting rid of TV. You know, we did that when a family were growing up. We made one major, one significant change. We just got rid of the TV. You can't believe the change in our family life. One little thing. A box in a corner went out, and everything changed in the family. New wine came in because the skin was changed. See, it's not hard to change the skin. You just got to decide, what can I change in my life that would make room for new things God wants to do? What could you change? What can you change in the coming year, either in your lifestyle or your attitudes or the way you do things, that would make room for God to do something fresh through you? See, your marriage. A lot of people, they're praying, well, God changed my husband. No, 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 no. Why don't you decide you could make a lifestyle change? Oh, God changed my wife. No, 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 no. Don't pray that prayer. No, you're the one that needs to be changing. See? So what change could you make? Your finances, your finances are in a trouble. Well, okay, what change could you make in your spending, perhaps? See, think what you could do. Until it becomes specific, you never move. And you'd be amazed when you actually make a decision, I'm going to make two or three specific changes, how everything in your life begins to shift because you made some room for God. God needs us to open up, be willing to change. That's why Jesus said, repent, have a change, not, not just say I'm sorry for sin, but actually have a whole change that comes out of a fresh hunger, fresh encounter, fresh desire for God. So let's just talk a little bit about fasting, because fasting is obviously a key to change the wineskin, because Jesus has talked about this thing. He says, no one wants the new, he likes the old. How many, I love me old shoes. I just love my old shoes. I have, it's a great difficulty for me to buy a new set of shoes. I prefer the old. I like old clothes too. Every now and then I've got to, have to clean out and get rid of them. Because you just tend to just feel comfortable in the old. But if we're going to actually move into new things, we've got to get out of the comfort zone. So what change do you need to make? See, it's all very well to have a prophet come through and say, uh, prophesy wonderful things and say wonderful things, but ultimately it'll come down to this. What will you do to change? And if you can't write it down and tell someone what I'm doing to change, you aren't changing. You think about change. Change is a good idea. 
How many think change is a good idea? <laughs> it's a good idea, but actually never becomes real until we do something. And one of the things that can help trigger off change almost more than anything I know is to begin to set seasons of fasting in order to come near to God. Because the Bible says, as we behold him, we are changed. As your relationship connection with the Lord grows and deepens, that's when changes most easily take place. Isn't that right? Okay, come on, let's just look at a couple of scriptures I'm passing. I'm not going to give heaps of them, but let me just uh, go into Matthew chapter 17. Fasting needs to be focused. So if you're going to fast, I'm going to give you a few practical things you can do, very, very simple things you can do. And then what I want to do is just give you some encouraging things from the Bible. When people fasted, what happened when they fasted? But first, just because of the time factor, I want to just show exactly the things, the steps that you need to take. Very, very simple things. Say, in Joshua 3, 5, you sanctify yourself. So in other words, here's some decisions you can make. Let me give them to you now. So I'll finish the message, then give you the encouraging things that happen when people decide, I'm going to do something with my life to increase my relationship with the Lord that I might actually break out into new things. Okay, let me give the practical things. Here they are. Very, very simple things. Number one, define a purpose for fasting. If you're going to fast, what is the purpose of fasting? And I'll give you a few in just a moment of people who had major breakthroughs. So why am I fasting? You just say, well, we had a good message on Sunday, so I thought I'd fast. No, 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 no. Set it in your heart. What is it I want to grow, change, break out, shift? What is the reason for the fast? If you try to fast without any purpose, you'll soon give up. It's just having a purpose. This is why I'm fasting. Now, make it specific. Because the more specific you get, then the more easy it is to see whether you got through and broke through or not. So, so first of all, set a, a, a focus for the fast, a clear purpose. Why am I fasting? Second thing you can do is set a, a period of time. How long am I going to fast? Now, some people have only fasted from breakfast to morning tea. It was quite hard. And then finally, they broke through at morning tea. Now, listen, come on, you can do more than that. Do a, a meal or a lunch. You've got to work out what will work for you with your work situation. But you'd be surprised what you can do. But make, set a time. How long am I going to fast? Going to be a partial fast or a full fast? What am I going to do? See, am I going to just do one meal a day, two meals a day? Going to miss out on all three meals a day? What is it going to be? How am I going to set up this fast? And then how long is it going to be? How long will I do this? One day, two day, three day? That's the hardest time. After you've got past three days, you're fine. I can tell you now you're fine. After three or four days, your body starts to adjust to being without food, and then you begin to start to lock in and find your desire is growing for God. It becomes more a joy to be in his presence. You begin to hunger to be in his presence. You become sensitive and alert to things. Your mind begins to clear. You begin to sharpen up. You become aware of things you weren't aware of before. How many people here have done a fast that was more than three days? Hey, look at that. That's awesome. How many have done one more than 10? Yay, fantastic. How many have done one 21 days? Whoa, look at that. There's still some hands up there. Anyone done 40 days? Hey, there's some 40-day ones there. Fantastic. Well, look at that. Some of you are shocked. <laughs> Come on. You can do something. So don't try and start up with a 40-day one. That's going to be dreadful. Just start up with something simple and push the boundaries out, okay? Second thing, third thing is you need to strengthen your time in prayer and the Word. It's no use just going without food and not actually engaging with God. We must draw near to God. So the only way to do that, shut the door, go alone, spend some time in the Bible that you weren't spending before, turn your TV off, make a decision while I'm seeking God, I won't be watching TV. 
Listen, the world was doing fine before you come along. It'll be doing fine after you've gone. And don't worry about what's happening in the world. Don't need to even worry what's happening in the world. I tell you now, it's mostly bad news is all you hear. So make a decision. All bad news goes. I'm just focusing on good input. Listen to CDs, uh, but uh, don't listen to too much stuff. You need to actually take time to read and pray for yourself. Okay, there's some the thing you do. So, so we've uh, got a, a purpose. We've got a time, set fixed time. We strengthen our prayer life. Now, here's another thing you do, journal. Get a journal and write down the things the Holy Spirit's drawing to your attention. Journal what the Holy Ghost is saying. Write it down. You know why you write it down? Because you forget it. I just was clearing out my office yesterday, and I, I've, got, I've got diaries or journals, personal journals that go back years. I was able to look at insights God gave me years ago. I was able to see things he gave me more recently. Then I realized there was a bit of a gap, time to do it again, time to get in and push on it. So journal, write the things the Holy Ghost is telling you. He may show you quick in scriptures to you. He may show you areas, see? Identify his next thing and face the issues he raises. Now, if you've been through a period of disappointment, here's the thing. Probably you've just got focused on something else and felt you got over it. But this is what happens. Inside in our heart, when we get hurt and disappointed with God or feel like God's let us down, we actually draw back from coming to the place of trust. And so what happens is you get on with your life, but you never get back in the, on the saddle again. You know, if you've been bucked off once, you don't tend to get back on again. It's, and so what happens is people draw back. And, and in the heart, yes, I'm praising the Lord. Yes, I'm committed. I come to church. Yes, I give. But actually in the heart, there's this loss of abandonment for the Lord. And I remember going through that at one stage. And uh, I just faced many, many disappointments. And, and it was just like I just drew back in my heart. Now, still praying, still doing everything a believer will be doing, except the one thing was missing, and that is disappointment. It shut my heart, and I drew back from really engaging and leaning on the Lord again. See, if you think God let you down, you've believed the lie, and it'll stop you trusting him again. So you've got to go there and face it. And, and often the way I did it was I just... Allowed the Holy Spirit to surface what need to be surfaced and began to weep over the disappointment, began to express the, the, the struggles of the heart until I felt God heard me and I felt the release of it. Then he started to speak afresh. And it's just a process. A lot of times we get affected by things. Men get affected by things. More and more we realize we get out of touch with what's inside. But fasting makes you aware of it again. And you may find as you fast that the, the Lord brings your attention to something that disappointed you, a failure you had, a relationship that there was a, a painful situation happen in it, or something that really offended you. You may not even know you're offended until the Holy Spirit speaks it to you. So as we come in before the Lord, what we're looking for is that whatever is being there that's blocked up our connectedness with God, we will face it. And to face it means you've got to recognize and take ownership, not go blaming everyone, and then begin to grieve over the loss and release forgiveness. And we can ask God's grace to show you how to work through this thing. But it is a process. It's a bit of a journey. That's, everyone loves to come up and have someone pray for you, but it, much of life's changes do not take place. They start off there, but they don't finish there. They finish as we get alone with God and process the thinking and emotions that are attached to those disappointments. And I know for many of you, that's exactly where you are. You can actually see it in the body language. One of the things being up in the front here is you can see people's body language. And you see, when people are abandoned to the Lord, it just shows in the body language. 
And when people are shut down, you can actually see it. It, it just it comes right down. They actually, they love God. They're still staying, not, not moving away from what they know is true. But in the heart, there's a disconnectedness from God. And he wants us to connect with him. Over this last month, some of you have faced issues related to fathers and family background and issues related to that. Some of you have faced uh, things concerning uh, past failures and disappointments. But this is the time to just process it. And processing it means you allow the Holy Spirit to take you back, remember it, you own up what's going on, grieve over it, release forgiveness, thank God for the opportunity to grow, and then you can move on. Sometimes there's things we believe about God that we need to change. Eh? So that's what we need to do. Eh? And then make a lifestyle change. Make a decision to make a lifestyle change. Now that could just be simple like, I'm not going to watch, uh, TV's limited to one hour a week. You know, it could be something simple like that. It could be, well, I'm not going to go around there surfing the internet. I'm just going to look up emails. That's it. That's a lifestyle change. Releases hours of time. could be a thing like, well, we're just going to have uh, a time every day, six to seven, I'm going to be alone with the Lord. A lifestyle change. See, think what it is you can do that just will make one shift in how you live your life. When you do it, everything else gets affected. A little bit of the new changes it all. Now, let me just throw out for you just a few examples of people who broke through. I won't explain or teach all of them. I'll just throw them for you for to have a look at. So as you're starting a season of fasting, you begin to see what the possibilities are. Uh-huh. See, what the possibilities. Let me give you a couple of things now. I'll just quote them to you, and I want to share with you some things. One's found in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 and verse, uh, let's have a look there. In verse 14 through to 21, in verse 14 to 21, the first thing we see is that fasting can bring an increase of faith and uncover in your life areas of unbelief. Fasting can bring an increase of faith, uncover areas of unbelief and demonic resistance. Jesus said, this kind of demon, this kind of problem will not shift without prayer and fasting. There are some problems in life will not shift without prayer and fasting. Why? Because we are in a place where we're intimidated, overawed by the problem, and we can't get into a place of divine perspective where we see what God can do and release his power for it to change. Prayer and fasting. The disciples couldn't get a shift. Jesus got a shift, and he said the answer was prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting brings an increase in faith. Here's another thing prayer and fasting will do. Found in Daniel chapter two, uh, 10 and verse 2 to 6. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 to 6, it brings a breakthrough in the realm of the spirit of demonic resistance. The Bible tells us when Daniel prayed and asked God, God gave an immediate answer, but there were three weeks where he sustained prayer and fasting until he saw the manifestation in the earth of what God had said to him. During that time, he encountered an angel, the heavens opened up, and he felt a tremendous release and a breakthrough came. Maybe you've got some situation, you've prayed and there's been no answer to it. Why not just persist in prayer and fasting, reminding God of his word until you see a breakthrough manifest. Don't give up until you see a result. I like to see results, not to just have grand stories about stuff. Here's a third area, release of power. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to a season of prayer and fasting. Verse 14, he returned in power. Many Christians have little or no power around their life. 
That's why it's a wonderful thing to get young ones up and get people up into a mission field where they start to see God moving. It gets a change in attitude where we begin to see God wants me to move in power. He wants me to have power when I pray. He wants me to pray in such a way, sick people are healed, demons are shifted, things change. This is normal for all believers. All believers. If it's not happening and there's no power in your life, change something. But don't settle with it. What most people do is this. I'm not seeing it, so therefore there's a reason for that, and so therefore I'll stay here. You know, that's not the way to go. See, God says these signs will follow all them that believe. In my name, they lay hands on people and heal the sick. The sick will recover. Demons will be cast out. Listen, that requires power. Power from heaven. It comes one way, from heaven. It comes when you and I connect with the living God. So if our experience is below what the Word says, don't bring the Word down to your experience. Pray and fast until your experience comes up to what the Word says. Bring your experience up to what God says. Yeah, well, I prayed and I got healed. Okay, I understand that. I've had heaps of that. I've even had some die. And I had to decide whether I'd quit praying I did for a while, actually. Got so disgusted. I thought, man, I'm a menace to people. I pray for them, they die. They're not getting better at all. I think I must be sucking life out of them. What little remains is taken out when I lay hands on them. Think, flip, this is working in reverse. You know, go to the hospital. Say, Don't let him pray for me. The last three died. It was like that when I started out. I go up to pray for people in the hospital, they all die. Not nice. Okay? But you see, but I've changed since then. See, I've had a few people get out of wheelchairs. A few people get, I'll share with you, I had about seven people get off, off, off walking sticks in the last month. Hey? Seven of them. Just straight out there and began to walk by the power of God. So I was able to move. But you see, what happened is, God didn't change. My experience came up nearer in line with what God says could be. Fasting, coupled with prayer, helps bring your experience up to what God says is possible for you. It's why it's such a powerful, powerful tool. I'll give you a couple more that you can uh, think about it. Acts chapter 10, verse 30, a breakthrough, a supernatural breakthrough where the Spirit of God is released in your life and in your family. Cornelius was fasting. He was a man who prayed, fasted, and gave. And while he was fasting, he had a visitation of an angel, and there was a move of the Spirit initiated, and his whole household got saved. Fasting can unlock households and set all members of the family free. Here's another one. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 2 to 4. Breaking free of intimidation. Jehoshaphat faced an overwhelming, uh, intimidating circumstance. He was looking like he's going to be wiped out. It says he was afraid. And then what he did was he set his heart to seek God and he called everyone to fast. And when they did it, God spoke to them and gave them a strategy that brought release. See, many of us are just intimidated by life. But fasting can sensitize you to the Holy Ghost. You begin to hear him speak to you, and faith comes where fear was. We can break out of limitations. See, so what's limiting you? What is limiting you? What are you going to break through? Here's the last two. In Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21, fasting can give Release of direction for our family and finances. It says Ezra was concerned because they were in a season when God was doing new things, and he was concerned about the next generation. 
And it says, we sought God with fasting that He might give us a way for our children and for our finances. You want direction for family? Go fast and pray and ask God to show you. Ask God to speak to you. Over the course of years, uh, at many times, God has given us a word for our children that have actually encouraged us and kept us moving in a path of faith. Here's the last one. Increase of sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Luke chapter 2, verse 37 to 38. Here's the last one. Luke 2, verse 37 to 38. You imagine this. 2,000 years of history, when there's a promise being made of a Savior, what are the chances you could turn up in the church at the very moment he arrived? No odds. That's a pretty high odds about that one happening. Yet the Bible tells us there was a woman called Anna, a prophetess, who, who, she's a really old woman too, fasted and prayed, and she turned up just at the right time when Jesus was being dedicated. No one told her, except the Holy Ghost, turns up, and she's right there ready to speak and prophesy what he's about to do. See, so one of the things that fasting does is it sensitizes you to the right timing and being in the right place when God wants you to connect with someone and be able to be a, an answer to a situation. Say this, what about that? Imagine just arriving at the right time and the right place for a divine connection. It's amazing how God can do that. But fasting unlocks those kind of dimensions. If we want to see change, don't just try harder. Start off connecting more intimately with the Lord and make lifestyle shifts. Set a fast. Set a fast. Set a fast. Now, we've got about a, about a month of five weeks. And then once you get in that Christmas season, there's meals and stuff going on. It's hard to fast. And then it's holiday season. Everyone gets a bit sort of down. But next year, when we get into it, in about mid-January, we're going to get back into fasting again. Begin to prepare for a year of unusual enlargement for us. Amen? Unusual. But for that to take place, you individually need to decide that you will change. So... Fast with a set purpose for a time. Make up your mind what you're going to do. Spend some time in prayer in the Word. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Journal it, write it down. And if there's issues that are blocking you, face them. Face them. You say, man, I believe that God spoke to me that word. Sanctify yourself or set yourself apart in a new way and a fresh level because I want to do new things among you in this coming year.